Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery, and today I'm excited to have Alex Thuma, who's the founder of the SaaS Revolution Show, which led to the first SaaS meetups in London. Uh, Dublin and Berlin, uh, which also led to SaaS Talk, which is the biggest B2B SaaS conference in Europe, North America, Latin America, Asia, and Australasia, uh, which is a global community of SaaS founders, executives, founders who help uh, SaaS companies to gain traction, crew, and scale. Welcome to the show, Alex. Uh, thanks. Uh, great to be here. Awesome. So, you know, how did you get into uh, uh, into even space, and why did you uh, you know start up with the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of uh, fell into the the event space um, because. You know, I, I had a, um, a long sales career um, and, and towards the end of the career, I, I was in, uh, you know, selling cloud computing software and uh, really getting interested in the, uh, the B2B SaaS space and you know, devouring a lot of content there, uh, trying to learn as much about it as I could and uh, seeing all these exciting new applications and companies form. And this is around sort of 2012. Um, and I, I sort of decided, um, uh, because I, I, I was very kind of like hyped by uh, what the movement that was happening in, in SaaS to uh, start a blog uh, about SaaS, which was Sascribe. Uh, and uh, that kind of quickly became a community-driven uh, blog uh, where we had influencers across the web that I've never met, um, you know, in the US and, uh, uh, you know, India and Australia, and, you know, c- uh, contribute content uh, to Sascribe for the, um, you know, for the benefit uh, of those that are looking to build, you know, and grow and scale uh, SaaS companies. Um, and so I was doing this as like a side hustle, um, you know, whilst I had my full-time job. Uh, and then um, I kind of decided, look, why don't I do a podcast as well? Like uh, I, I certainly had this sort of drive uh, about me uh, back then to kind of do things and push myself uh, that were new and push myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, and uh, uh, quickly, the, the blog and the podcast turned into, uh, you know, supplementing that with some local SaaS meetups because there weren't any, you know, much to my surprise in, uh, in London and, uh, and across Europe at the time. So I took it upon myself. But before I knew it, um, there, there was a community forming and, um, you know, we were connecting both online and offline and there was a big demand there and an ask for the community to to pull a, a conference together um, and put one uh, uh, together in Europe as there wasn't one uh, at the time. So I, I did think about it for a little bit because I was a bit concerned having no real events experience. Um, but the more people I spoke to, the more convinced I became that this would be uh, successful and this is something that people wanted and I wanted to kind of take this upon myself and fulfill that kind of entrepreneurial dream and, uh, you know, take the, the blog and the podcast and the community building, you know, into a real business. And so that's what we did. It came up, you know, I came up with the idea of, of SaaS stock in 2015, ran the first conference in 2016, in September. We had 700 SaaS founders and execs and, and, and 100 VCs uh, attend the conference in Dublin uh, from 34 different countries. And I was very surprised how global uh, it was from the get-go and, you know, there were some uh, sort of wow uh, moments for me uh, at the event when I was, you know, in rooms full of entrepreneurs from across the world and I, I had just, you know, simply uh, put on the event and, and the people had come and they were all together in one space sharing their knowledge and that was something great, magical to see. So that was kind of really the, the origins of the, uh, the SaaS doc story. 
Right. And when you started the blog and the podcast, were you able to monetize these products? Yeah, uh, not, not really. I, I, did, tr- I did try. Um, you know, we actually, um, we, we got a lot of traction in the early days of the blog. Uh, and this was a combination of, uh, I would say, kind of hustle um, in that, you know, I was working uh, very hard uh, to uh, create content and to source content and then to promote the content. So initially, in, in, in its kind of early days, uh, we were putting out like five pieces of uh, original content uh, a week, uh, which was a real sort of undertaking. Now, I, I wasn't writing these five pieces of content, but I was sourcing them from, um, you, you know, people across the web. Uh, and most of it was original. Some of it was repurposed. And there was a real, um, in terms of the strategy, you, you know, we, we got a lot of um, a boost to traffic from some of the repurposed stuff uh, you know, that was kind of well-known and brought awareness to us. Uh, and also, you know, that some of the influencers that we had selected that were sharing their content uh, also helped. And, um, you know, we were active in uh, online sort of communities, promoting new content. I was, you know, on social media, um, you know, all hours of the day, kind of really sharing and distributing uh, the content to really build up a, an audience of, I think it was around about sort of like 30,000 visitors per month, you know, after after the first sort of three or four months, which was pretty good going from a, a standstill, you know, uh, with, with zero to 30,000 in, in, in four months. Um, and, um, you know, the podcast, again, like it, it only really had, because uh, it, it's a real longer game with, with the podcast. So I think for the first year or two, we were only having about sort of like 200 to, to 400 sort of downloads per episode. Um, and, and it's quite difficult to monetize that, even though it's very focused and niche. But with the, with the blog, we did try advertising. We did try um, sponsorship and we were um, uh, you know, taking part in RFPs that you know, fell into our inbox and uh, often came to nothing. Um, so we tried advertising. We tried some sponsorship. We saw that wasn't going to be a sustainable business at that level of traffic. Um, and then that kind of looked and sort of led to that kind of third channel of, uh, uh, of, of revenue, which was uh, events. And uh, that was the, uh, the kind of the, the third tested path and, and the one that proved to be, uh, to, to be true. Right. And, you know, uh, you ran the first conference 2015. What were the expenses to, to run the first conference? I believe around 700 people had come for, for that particular conference. Yeah, the, the first conference cost me about 350,000 um, uh, euros. Uh, wow. so it, it was quite expensive. And um, uh, I didn't have that money in the bank. Uh, right? um, so it, it was funded by revenue. And so I did take uh, a bit of a bet that, um, you, you know, maybe I was naive or almost certainly I was a bit naive. But I looked at the, 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 the business model and the barriers to entry for for events and I kind of saw that, okay, I needed a website, um, you know, I needed some initial speakers and, uh, you know, a venue um, and, uh, you know, the partners then w- w- would come and obviously the, the, the revenue streams would come through selling tickets uh, and selling partnerships. Uh, and I already had a couple of partnerships uh, or partners, potential partners interested that it, again, through that kind of that early community building through the blog, um, you know, and uh, the podcast and, and the meetups that I built these connections and spoken to them about, look, if I built this conference, you know, would you, uh, would you sponsor it? 
Uh, and they, um, you know, a lot of people said yes, that we would. And so I, I started to get the website ready. Um, I started to, um, you know, recruit the speakers. Uh, and again, because I had been doing Sascribe, the blog and the podcast, uh, a lot of the speakers that I reached out to kind of already knew me for the efforts. And so they were more like uh, warm uh, sort of reach outs, uh, warm emails when I was reaching out to them. Uh, and they kind of believed in and wanted to see what I was doing succeed. So it was helpful that they agreed to speak uh, at the event. And then as soon as I had the venue, um, you know, agreed, I looked at the venue. We, cho we chose uh, the RDS in Dublin and I was looking in London, but we chose Dublin. It was a bit cheaper and there's a, a really nice kind of vibe to, to Dublin and good SaaS community there. Um, and I just had to put down 10% uh, of the, the total cost of the venue to, to kind of get going and secure that. Um, and I had that money uh, in the bank uh, and, it, and it wasn't an awful lot of money. Uh, I think it was just a couple of thousand. Uh, and so I put that down, secured the venue. Uh, then I went to the partners, potential partners and said, I've got a venue, I've got a website. Are you going to sponsor? Um, and they did. The first one was Chart Mogul, SaaS company. Um, it was based in Berlin, but now it's a fully remote company. Um, and right. they became my first gold partner. Um, and that gave me more runway to kind of, you know, continue to fund the, uh, the business. Um, and um, uh, so really that, that was uh, sort of helpful. And uh, effectively from that point on, uh, I uh, funded the business through, uh, you know, through the, through the revenue. Uh, and every time that we had sort of bills to pay, I was like, okay, uh, this is looking a bit, little bit shaky. You know, am I going to be able to kind of make the payment sort of, you know, at the end of the month? Am I going to be able to pay you, you know, any of the sort of contractors? But um, we, 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 we kind of had product market fit from, from the get-go, um, which, was, which was lucky in, in one way. But obviously, we went into this um, having you know, already done a lot of groundwork and customer development. Um, so we knew that there was de demand there for it and that had already built a network and some, um, you, you know, uh, some partnerships sort of before that. Uh, and having 11-year sales career as well, it kind of uh, did help as well. So, um, so whilst the costs were 350,000, I think we generated uh, pretty much the, uh, the same amount of revenue. Uh, so we, we just, well, just a little bit less actually. So we did actually lose money uh, on, on the first event. Um, but, um, but actually it wasn't you know, so bad that we couldn't, uh, couldn't continue. Right, and uh, uh, you know, what, what, are the, what are the areas of SaaS industries which, uh, which you, know, feel, you feel are neglected or undervalued uh, in, the, in the industry? Yeah, the areas of SaaS which feel uh, a bit sort of neglected. Um, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly like at our conference, uh, you know, we're very much, well, we've been very much kind of focused around sort of content, um, you know, around sort of go to market, around sales. Um, around marketing um, and I definitely feel like sort of you know sales and marketing sort of verticals within SaaS um, are not neglected. Um, something some areas that have been neglected would probably be more on the, the technical side so um, stuff around or sort of content um, you know on the technical side on the engineering side um, you know uh, content um, you know around uh, for like CTOs uh, and also on the finance side, you know, so stuff for VPs of finance and CFOs uh, within SaaS. So there are, there are obviously products for, for all of those sort of roles. And there's a lot of content or, you know, some content anyway, you know, for uh, those roles. But uh, traditionally, like uh, SaaS stock haven't been 
um, you know, that great at, um, you, you know, covering that uh, uh, for those audiences. Uh, but again, it's something that we're cognizant of and looking to change. We have had a CTO tracks um, before and experimented with that and, you know, more like technical kind of uh, workshops. And we're looking at sort of this year uh, at SASTOC uh, 20 in Dublin, uh, doing more around, uh, you know, sort of finance topics for VPs of finance and CFOs within SAS companies uh, also. Right. And, uh, you know, after you do a conference, uh, is it possible to uh, do a subscription-based model whereby, you know, it's not just a one-time uh, income which is coming, but, uh, you know, uh, you have any advice on uh, people who are running events and how it can be subscription-based model? Yeah, uh, we don't have a subscription-based model at the moment. It's, it's, it's something I, um, I, I would love and we, we haven't, uh, we, you know, we've occasionally kicked around the idea probably like after... Uh, after a pint, you know, um, uh, sorry, on a pint uh, after work. But um, it, it's not something uh, currently in the roadmap, you know, for us. But again, we have heard that, you know, at certain events. So I was in, a, uh, I was in Sydney in December for SASTA Australasia, which happens every December. Um, and speaking to some of the founders and attendees that were there, um, you, you know, uh, some of them have sort of mentioned that, you know, the, the content and the advice that they had on the day was sort of great. Uh, that they would like, you know, some more uh, sort of like ongoing, um, you know, access to, to such kind of education, um, you know, <clears throat> and thought leadership. So, um, yeah, it, it's something that we yeah, haven't really kind of solved at the moment. But in terms of we do have, uh, you know, a, uh, a podcast which puts out reg regular kind of, you know, educational content, but that's for free. Um, that's the SAS Revolution show, um, which is you can subscribe for, you know, on, on iTunes or Spotify um, and um, uh, there's a lot of like in-depth practical content on that uh, we put out a lot of our content for free on YouTube as well um, so there, there'll be a lot of video content going out this year uh, on our on Sastock's YouTube channel uh, again that's uh, that's uh, predominantly free some of it can be gated um, and we put out you know content on our blog uh, of which we um, you know are going to put in sort of more um, you know, in-depth uh, uh, content this year um, uh, that would be much more kind of uh, educational uh, and much more around sort of thought leadership uh, than we have been doing in the past. Uh, but a subscription model, um, you know, could certainly make sense. Uh, but like right now, that's not something that we, uh, we offer. Right. And, you know, uh, other than the uh, SaaS talk uh, conference that you're running in Dublin, you've, you've recently branched out in Latin America, North America, Asia, and Australasia. So, so do you have a full-time team uh, who's helping you out build these conferences? And, uh, and, you know, since you're based out of Europe, how, how do you ensure that, you know, the, uh, the right amount of, uh, you know, audience is there in all these conferences? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's certainly challenging. Um, we, we went uh, global... <laughs> Uh, last year in, in sort of one big bang, um, uh, meaning that we went from having one conference in Dublin, uh, you know, in 2018 to having last year six conferences in five continents. Um, and we definitely, there was a lot of learnings like along the way. So for instance, uh, Sasto Asia last year, we held that in Hong Kong. Um, and we, you, you know, we have a sort of like a book, um, you know, processes for launching and marketing and, you know, selling uh, an event. Uh, and, and, and we, uh, to be honest, were again, sort of like uh, uh, perhaps a little bit, uh, you know, naive in thinking that that playbook is a, a one, you know, one market sort of fits all. 
Um, and, and we found a lot of challenges with, uh, with, with Asia. Uh, we found that we didn't really have much, uh, you know, a stronger brand in Asia as we did, you know, in Europe and the US. And our, our, our data, uh, you know, that we owned was not as, as big as it, it was in Europe and the US. So we, 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 we did have a lot of learnings and we're quite dynamic and then started working with uh, some local people uh, who really kind of had the relationships that we didn't have who understood how to kind of operate in those markets that we didn't understand. Um, so I think, you know, on the good, on the, uh, I said positive side of it. So whilst there were a lot of challenges with that, let's say specific event, um, we're quite dynamic to kind of, you know, act on those changes and not keep trying the same thing over and over again, if it, if it, if it's not working. Um, and, um, yeah, so our, our team is pretty much centralized, you know, in London, in, uh, in the UK. Um, we have, uh, you know, a couple of people that are, are remote, but we're, we're pretty much a centralized office uh, and we are, um, you know, marketing and selling into those uh, regions uh, almost exclusively by having, uh, you know, this centralized office. Um, and uh, again, say so there's varying degrees of, of, of success, but uh, we now have uh, somebody in Asia um, that is our head of Asia, uh, Asia Pac region. Um, that's just one person, um, uh, and then uh, LATAM, um, we, we, we just run centrally, uh, you know, from, uh, from London, the same with North America, uh, and we've had more degrees of success there. Um, you know, some of the reasons being, um, I think the, the groundwork that we put into uh, to those regions, uh, obviously better brand awareness, and being first to market in LATAM and, and first to market in uh, Australia, um, certainly helped. And we're first to market in Asia, but uh, that was still a bit more challenging. First to market in Europe, um, you know, and I think all of those things have been uh, beneficial, like being first to market. So the US, we're not first to market. I think you know, um, you know who, uh, who, who is uh, first to market there. Uh, but still, that's the biggest market, you know, in B2B software and the biggest market for events. And uh, again, that, um, you know, comes with its uh, advantages as well. Right. And um, Alex, I was wondering, you know, what is the best way to, to build an email list? You, what are your thoughts on virtual conferences? Uh, is, it, is it something which you have in the pipeline whereby uh, people don't have to show up on a conference, but they're doing virtual conferences, uh, heard it's a great way to build an email list and uh, do thought leadership? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like building an email list is it, it's definitely hard, right? Um, I mean, we're, you know, now five years into this and our, our email list and our, our data set, you, you know, I think can always uh, be, be better. Uh, and I think part of the challenge certainly uh, that, that we've had um, is that we, we have a new newsletter, which, you know, started before uh, SASDOT started, right? Uh, and we kind of, that was the, the, the initial way to kind of build up the email list via, you know, having the newsletter, by having our own content, by having the podcast and, and doing the, the, the events, the meetups. Um, and then what we found is that we, we you know, effectively kind of have the same, you know, mailing list of people that subscribe to the newsletter as, as those that we, uh, you know, update with uh, regarding the, the, the conferences. Uh, I mean, we are able to via our, um, uh, you know, marketing automation platform segment those uh, lists, for, you know, depending on if we're marketing into Latin America, we're not going to hit our whole list. Uh, but what you'll find is that, um, or what we found is that there's a lot of, uh, there's like a leaky bucket in, in events uh, uh, for the email list. So when somebody's bought a ticket, they often un unsubscribe 
from your email list because they're they're not often keen on you know the further updates uh, that they're getting and the original reasons that they signed up to is to stay up to date because they want to hear about you know when is the best price what speakers are uh, are taking part when is the agenda going to be released and they purchase the ticket and then they don't want to be disturbed anymore by our emails uh, and they unsubscribe. So we get a large amount of unsubscribes. Right. So as, 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 uh, as, as good as we do at, um, in terms of acquiring new emails, we find that you know, almost as many unsubscribe uh, during the process of, of um, you, you know, selling tickets. So that, that is a challenge, but I think like, ultimately if we look at like, where, we, where we started and, and what we do today, um, you know, the, the content, so, you know, trying to be uh, a value add within the uh, specific sort of vertical industry uh, around the content, um, you, know, uh, you know, so putting out regular content. Um, and uh, yeah, like, you know, we, we have some, you know, gated stuff, uh, gated content that, that helps build. We've never done any virtual conferences. Uh, the events themselves and doing kind of like smaller events and, uh, and meetups kind of help, um, you, you know, uh, build the lists as well. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but um, but yeah, the leaky bucket makes it um, you know challenging uh, at, at times. Right, and uh, you know how can how, how can SaaS companies innovate to you know acquire new customers because uh, you know you run uh, your events like a SaaS company. So any any thoughts for founders on how to acquire new customers uh, so that the uh, so the CAC to LTV ratio is is not really high. Yeah, I, I guess it really obviously depends on the, um, the the business size of the business, the model, etc. I, I do see a bit of a trend of moving away from you know paid ads and demand generation, uh, you know, as as one thing because the the costs, uh, you know, on ad spend uh, are, are certainly kind of increasing with the competitive uh, competitiveness, especially you know around AdWords, because you you know if you look at so like Martech for instance. Um, you know, a few years ago, there was probably, you know, a few hundred MarTech companies. Now there are, uh, you, you know, uh, maybe it was almost sort of 10,000 uh, or so. And, and so the competition is, is higher and, and that's kind of producing uh, higher costs in, in ad spend. I mean, obviously, you, you know, I would, depending on your ACV, um, you know, if you're, if you're setting to mid-market and enterprise uh, events is a very scalable way. Uh, of um, uh, you know of uh, 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 winning customers, acquiring customers, uh, and we've seen that. And again, events via conferences, but also like hosting your own dinners and smaller events, or running your own events uh, as a business. Um, I, I think that is uh, uh, something that we've seen uh, a lot of companies do really well, and they're able to kind of scale that up. So you know, uh, see the the real ROI from an event, and then say, okay, well, uh, from that um, that dinner that we hosted. Uh, we close down these deals, therefore we could, we should do more dinners in these areas, uh, uh, and so on. Uh, I think generally outbound sales um, I've seen uh, again in the last sort of couple of years has been uh, very strong and proven to really kind of transform a, a SaaS company's business from uh, you, you know uh, I, I guess growing uh, you know uh, fairly kind of slowly uh, uh, to uh, to really kind of you know accelerating growth. Um, uh, in, a, in a very kind of short pe period of time and often that um, the reasons that I've seen and the founders explain as to what was the uh, you, you know what was the reason um, that, as to why uh, they were able to get from let's say 1 million in ARR to 20 million in ARR in 
you know, sort of three or four years. And uh, um, often I've seen that outbound sales has been, um, you know, kind of one of the key reasons and the ability to kind of scale outbound sales, build a playbook, uh, you know, for an outbound sales team, for the SDRs, for the AEs, uh, and so on. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, are you okay to talk about what the kind of revenue numbers you did uh, across 2019? And, and uh, you know, do you, do you have plans to run your own fund later on? Yeah, yeah. So, so revenue numbers for 2019, um, we will have done about sort of $4 million US dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so we're obviously looking to, uh, to increase that for, the, you know, for 2020. Um, in terms of uh, having our own fund, uh, yeah, I mean, again, like this is, uh, it's not a high priority right now, it, but it is something that, you know, at every SaaS.com conference um, that, you know, when we're speaking to founders and investors, uh, given the, the, the kind of the access to data and the deal flow that we have uh, and the deals that get done at SaaS.com, I mean, like every, uh, every SaaS.com conference, um, you know, the investors are, are, are walking away huge amounts of, of deal flow and, and so many uh, companies get funded at our conference that uh, we're not actually capturing you know kind of any of that in terms of uh, monetary value for, for ourselves uh, but we just help enable that happen uh, um, and, and so it, it, it is a thought uh, and obviously we've seen that you know with other uh, conferences as well that, that have funds and use the you know the conference as a, a, a marketplace or a shop window to, to attract that to the deal flow um, I think like right now, as we've, you know, j- jumped from one conference to five conferences, uh, we're much more, I think, focused on ensuring that we're, um, yeah, we're successful at these, that we have all the processes right, um, that, you know, given that they're our kind of priority and our focus to uh, deliver on those. And, and before we kind of move on to looking at, you know, potentially some sort of fund or micro fund. Right. And, and you also run a startup program where you give a 25,000 price. Is it for, for people, for SaaS companies which have not got their product market fit? Yeah, the, uh, the startup competition. So we, um, we run a startup competition sort of globally at each of the SaaS conferences, um, so each of the regions. And, uh, the, uh, the winners of the, the regional ones uh, get you know, access straight into uh, the semi-finals of the main global uh, conference, which uh, uh, startup competition, which ha- happens in the Dublin event in October. Um, so we get thousands of SaaS startups that apply um, and, 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 and take part in that. And we're looking for a specific size of company, uh, effectively the winner uh, of that, that goes through, um, uh, through the semi-finals and the finals uh, and, uh, you know, pitches sort of live on stage. Um, you know, they get, the, uh, the title of, you know, best SaaS startup of that particular year. Uh, so last year, an Icelandic company called Prankwill uh, won uh, best SaaS startup 2019. In 2018, it was a company called Cladara. Um, and uh, they win 25,000 uh, sort of US dollars uh, also uh, as the global prize. Um, and often, they're, they're, you know, the broader kind of recognition and, and we've seen, you know, the, these companies, uh, you, you know, uh, get uh, uh, raised capital, you know, on, on the back of that as well. So, um, yeah, the startup competition there, like it, it, our program, we try to sort of differ that from some of the others that are at, um, you know, some, uh, other conferences in that we, we try and add a lot more kind of value um, around beyond just exhibiting and, and pitching. Uh, but there's a lot of mentorship, um, a lot of education, a lot of workshops that we do with our startups to, to add value within that program. So, uh, 
so yeah, we're, we're, we're very happy with it because we, we saw and we thought that the traditional kind of startup program sort of offerings at other conferences was a little bit broken. Uh, and we really wanted to add a lot more value uh, wrapping around our startup program, which we've done. Right. Uh, uh, Alex, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Favorite business book. Um, right now, I'm reading Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. And uh, that's pretty good. So right now, it's my current favorite. Right. And, you know, if you could go back in time when we started working uh, on the event space, uh, you know, what is the one thing you would have focused on or, or done anything differently? Um, I would have gotten a mentor in earlier to advise me that I was spending too much money. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, do you have a favorite online tools, for example, uh, Gmail, Slack, Evernote? Uh, a big fan of Zoom, which we're using now. I think yeah. that's, been, that's taken... Uh, uh, you know, video conferencing and sort of meetings uh, to the next level. Uh, having used uh, other technologies in my previous life as uh, a salesperson, this is uh, it's a tool that's pleasurable to use. Right. And uh, what are the best way people can reach out to you and know more about SaaStock? Yeah. Um, uh, email alex at sasdoc.com or on Twitter at Alex Thuma. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, use my name as well. So I'm probably most active on, on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, always, if anybody has any questions, feel free to email me, alexassassin.com. Right, and any plans to come to India? Because, you know, uh, a lot of SaaS companies are coming out of India as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thought uh, every year. And we've got a lot of contacts there and, you know, in, in Chennai and in Bangalore. Right. Um, and so we, we, see, we do see a big SaaS movement there. We do get a lot of people from India uh, come to, to SASCOP, there were delegations uh, coming, uh, you know, uh, uh, in 2019, and uh, we expect the same sort of this year. Um, it's definitely a consideration because there, there, is, there is demand. Uh, again, I think like this year, certainly 2020, we're focusing on, um, you, you know, the five conferences that we have and making sure they all run, uh, you know, to the standards that, that we want them to run. Uh, and then beyond that, we, we may look at like branching out in India. Uh, having said that, we do have SAS.local, uh, which is um, uh, which is like our uh, sort of like uh, uh, SAS sort of branded you know meetups, um, uh, and we put on a lot of good content. And we've been running. Uh, we had a couple of uh, SAS.locals in uh, Chennai and in Bangalore in 2019, and uh, we expect more to be uh, happening in India in 2020. Got it. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Alice, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate speaking to you. Yes, um, great speaking to you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.